Welcome to the Table Leadership Podcast, where everyone is invited to pull up a seat, and all leaders have a voice to contribute to the conversation. We're glad you could join us today. And now, your host, Sian Edgerton. We'll jump in then. So why don't we start? I'm super excited to, to have you doing this and just thank you again for taking the time. Um, but why don't we start by having you introduce yourself just to everybody that doesn't have the honor of knowing you like I do. We're very, very privileged today to have the one and only, the great Edwin Jones, Pastor Edwin Jones, Bishop. Oh, I feel Lord, like, no. I feel like... <laughs> <laughs> it's time to upgrade. Terrible. Oh, um, gosh, no. But no, my good, good friend, Pastor Edwin Jones, and I've known you and your wife, Ariel, and your family for, gosh, a long time now. I can't remember. Did I know you or Ariel first? Uh, probably Ariel first. Yeah, I maybe. Or maybe at the same, it might have been at the same time. I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. Anyways, though. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been a really awesome journey. I've just loved getting to watch you guys do what you do and, and follow God's call. Love you guys. Love your family. Had the privilege of preaching uh, to your congregation yes. a couple years yes. back. That was Absolutely. a good time. So just just yes. love, 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 love you guys and your family so much. So just introduce yourself. Let us know a little bit about like who you are, where you're from, what you do, all the good stuff. Yep. Yep. So uh, first off, I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me be a part of this incredible new endeavor that you are uh, carving out and blazing um, as far as the trail goes. So uh, we have always loved you and Mike and kids and just all that you guys do. And and uh, so it's really cool just to see where you guys are in Cali and, you know, following God's call. Um, so kudos to you guys and, awesome. and we you. love y'all and appreciate you. So thank you so much for having me. But, uh, but yep. So, um, my name is Edwin Jones and pastor of the bridge church here in Hampton, Virginia, uh, the seven five seven, as they are now rebranding Hampton roads to seven five seven. Now, okay. uh, some recent vote in the Hampton roads region of commerce chamber of commerce has changed the name from Hampton Roads to 757. Nice. I love it. I like I love that. It. I've always just said 757. So, always. Right? Always. always. Awesome. So here we are. Uh, but yep, so our church is right here in Hampton. And and um, my wife and I, Ariel, we've we have we've been married for, it'll be eight years next week. Um, so we'll be celebrating our eighth year of marriage. We've been together really since, uh, since college, which was um, about 2004 was when we started dating. Um, we even go back further than that. We grew up in the same church together, knew of each other, um, didn't really like each other at all. Um, like as far as, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend type stuff, but around college, uh, we kind of reconnected and, you know, the rest is history as they say. And so, um, so we have three kids, Josiah, Aubrey, and Joshua. They are six, four, and two. Our youngest, Joshua, he will be three in January. Pray for us because he has hit a whole nother level. Yep. Um, my wife was just telling me earlier today about a Walmart interaction that the two of them had where he was just mm -hmm. throwing a tantrum in Walmart. I don't want to get in the basket. Oh my gosh. Just rolling all over the place. And yeah, so yeah, pray for us right now. It's and a pray whole that the, thing. It's a whole thing. Everybody whole talks thing. about two and it's like, man, <laughs> they don't prepare you for three. Man, what? Yeah. So he's in a mm -hmm. whole 
another level. Cool thing about him is he's very self-aware. So he'll he'll do something out of pocket and just really crazy. And he'll be like, oh, mommy, daddy, I'm so sorry. I won't do that again. So it's like, <laughs> well, at least the Holy Spirit is convicting you, buddy. And uh, you're aware. So, um, but oh, they're just, great. we love them. Um, and and it's, uh, it's a joy and privilege to parent, as you know. And so, mm-hmm. So we got three kids and uh, we planted the Bridge Church about five years ago now um, yeah. in the fall of 2014, September 2014. And, uh, and we've been enjoying that journey, just seeing people come to know Jesus and seeing lives transformed, families transformed, um, people following Christ, people growing in the relationship with God, tapping into their calling, discovering their purpose, making a difference uh, here. And so it's just been an honor and joy. Um, next to being married and being a father, that's that's my greatest joy, mm-hmm. is being able to pastor people and kind of come alongside them on their journey. So, um, yeah. so yeah, so it's it's been cool. Um, so I'm an Eagles fan, Lakers fan, um, so many things. But yeah, those are the, some of the basics. Yeah. It's always fun, though, to see what people land on in the intro. Like, what are you deciding is the most important thing? Like, I'm a pastor, right. I lead a church, I love my wife, I love my kids, and I'm an Eagles fan. Like top five things. And it was there. That's great. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Um, Okay. So the first question that I have for you, um, just to, and see, this is the thing. This is really what the table is about. My two great loves, right? I'm passionate about two things in life aside from my family and and what Yes. Leadership development and food. Yes, we can attest so, to both of those. We have seen food in action at your house. <laughs> yes, you have. And yes. so so this uh, is why it's the table, just gathering people around the table and just having conversations and, you know, just telling everybody, inviting them to pull up a seat. So the first question that I always ask everybody is if we were gathered together live right now, not virtually, mm-hmm. um, what would, if we had a you know bunch of people, young leaders that we were getting together and just wanted to invest in them and develop and all that but more importantly than anything else what would we be feeding them what would you be serving us if we were actually together with you if if i was cooking the meal sure or you know your favorite meal that someone else cooks give me give me both if you were cooking and if you just had to serve us something if i was cooking i would prepare breakfast brunch so Waffles, pancakes, blueberry pancakes, blueberry waffles, somewhere along there. Um, bacon. Uh, we do turkey bacon. Turkey bacon, turkey links, um, eggs, toast, simply orange juice, um, some music playing on Google Home. <laughs> so I think that would probably be the setup. Um, pass breakfast and brunch is where my wife is the pro. So, yeah, dinner I can do, lunch I could do, but that's not my strong suit. So you might get um, some frozen chicken nuggets and some frozen <laughs> tater tots. <laughs> or we might get Chick-fil-A uh, or Moe's if it's Sunday, kids eat free on Sunday, you know what I mean? So something like that. Um, but breakfast will be my bread and butter. So I, I'd be serving breakfast and brunch. Awesome. I love it. I love it. And I have to I have to ask, too, because this is, you know, being that you're sitting in my hometown right now and I'm all the way yeah. on the West Coast and I do miss right. it a little bit. Anytime yes. I've got a Virginia person on, I have to say, what is your favorite 757 breakfast or brunch restaurant? First watch. Hands down. It used to yeah. be it used to be broken egg, um, uh-huh. which, which is I guess it's, it's the egg bistro uh, in Suffolk. That used to be where we would go 
all the time. But then First Watch came mm -hmm. maybe about three or four years ago. And that's it. That was it. That was it. Yep. Years before that, it was Tommy's. So we always go to Tommy's, but the lines would be just ridiculously enormous outside the building, especially on Sundays. Yep. Um, just crazy. And then we found out about, you know, the uh, um, broken egg. And so it was like, oh my gosh. But then when the first watch came, first watch. That was, it was over from there. So <laughs> that's the spot that I was literally just talking to somebody about that today. I was like, yo, man, we need to go to first watch for breakfast. And so, yeah, that's the spot. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Man, I had to see if we have one of those out here because I do love first watch. First watch. And they are the ones yeah. who started my ongoing love affair with avocado toast. Ah, so, I haven't had that before. Mm, yeah. It's good. It's good. It's very, um, you, you will absolutely feel like your most millennial self eating avocado toast. It is like the epitome yeah. of like hipster millennial breakfast, yes. you know? I think that's why I love First Watch so much is because when I walk in there, it feels very <laughs> millennial-ish, minimalistic. Yeah. It's just the, the rustic feel. I, I just love it. I love the atmosphere. It's, they're super relevant. They do yeah, a good job at that. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Okay. Well, we could talk food all day because all it day. is, like I said, one of my great loves. But um, <laughs> going back to the table again, uh, now that we know what you would be feeding us, what is it that you bring to the leadership table? Oh, man. Um, yeah, that's a that's a loaded question. I feel like, mm -hmm. you know, any person who's in a, any type of a leadership role, yeah, it's you never want to kind of like talk about yourself. <laughs> I know. Um, I know. But you know, and I want to say too, why I asked that question, yeah. uh, because, and I know you and I know your heart and you are, you know, one of the like top five most absolutely humble people that I know, which is why I wanted to, to have you on here. Um, but I think too, what I see with so many leaders is they really struggle to yeah. accept the gifts that they have and to Very be able true. to say in, you know, a legit, but also humble way, you know what, this is yeah. what God has given me and, and right. he expects me to use this gift and I have a responsibility right. to steward what's been put in me. So I want to affirm and acknowledge what you're saying that, yeah, it That's is good. really hard to talk about yourself, especially with yeah. a question like that, like, hey, what do you bring to the table? Um, yeah. But but I do, I ask that intentionally uh, so that, you know, we can really model for other leaders, what does it look like to be able to humbly say, you know what, this is what God has put in me and here's how I'm using it in this season. So I want to affirm yeah. that and just say, I love your heart. I love your humility. Um, yeah. But you do, you do bring so much to the table. And so what are, what are some of the like core things in this season you would land on? Yeah, I think for me, um, um, one of the things, this is something that I, I, I kind of replay in my mind, like every so often in different seasons of life. I remember I was playing basketball um, in my high school. I went to Princess Anne High School, played basketball there for a few years. And one of the guys on the team, uh, he always kind of, he gave me this moniker, kind of this nickname, and he, call, he would always call me Get It Done Jones. And I always be like, man, what do you mean by that, man? He was like, man, like you always had this mentality, like whatever it takes, we're going to get it done. And I was like, oh, okay. That, I mean, cool, whatever. And so I didn't really think too much of it back back then in high school. Mm -hmm. um, but through the years, it's, it's almost like God has kind of like always reminded me about, about that and just different moments, different pivotal moments in my life, whether it's ministry, whether it's personal, whatever the case may be. But he kind of always reminded me of 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 that, which even for me, I kind of realized like I've always had this, I think, ability that God has given me to 
almost have like this um sometimes to a fault like a like a like a stubbornness i kind of think of when mm-hmm. when god um tells um i think it's ezekiel like like i'm gonna make you your head as hard as flint mm-hmm. and like just creating this this uh this um courageousness about you i think that would probably be the word if i was to summarize and put it in one word mm-hmm. it's just like having that having that courage um just to step out and to not be moved or swayed by what others may think what others may say um not that you don't not that you're not aware of those things um but being clear like this is what god's called me to do and this is what i'm supposed to do we gotta get it done we gotta do what it takes um so i think for me that's kind of something that um i've tried to lean more more uh, more into through the Mm -hmm. years um, and sometimes it's a kind of a challenge because I, I have, I don't know if you've ever, you, I'm pretty sure you've taken the, the Enneagram test. Yep. Um, so my wife and I, we were just talking about this recently. So I'm a high three, which is I think okay. achiever. achiever. Yep. Right. And so I wrestle with that sometimes because like that perfectionist sometimes in me will almost kind of lead me. I just said it the other day to like decision paralysis yes. where like, I want to be so perfect with it. And I want it to be like, like just straightforward and get it right to the point where like if it's not right I won't do anything at all mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's kind of sometimes like the battle like with me personally is just trying to come to grips with like having the courage to kind of step out get it done uh, sometimes getting it done doesn't mean it's going to be perfect like but just just get it done and so um so I think that's that's one of I think the stronger characteristics I think that God has kind of enabled me with is to kind of just have this mentality like yo we got to get it done we got to yeah. we got to lace up the boots let's go to work mm-hmm. and let's make it happen um mm-hmm. so and that of course so let's let's talk about that and let's break that down a little bit because that then yeah. of course overflows into leadership you know i mean right. you have you've mm-hmm. planted a church i know you guys have initiated all sorts of stuff uh you're even doing something new for new years you were just telling me about Um, and so I see that, you know, that you have, you've taken on that mantle of like, you know what, this is what I've been called to do. We're going to do it. We're going to get it done. What are some of the, the roadblocks in leadership that keep us from getting it done? You know, I mean, I think about, you've already brought up a couple, what are other people going to think about it? Um, even just our natural wiring, like I'm, I'm with you. I'm Enneagram one, which is the perfectionist. I'm I'm like split evenly between a one and a three. And so you talk about decision paralysis. Like I, I get it. You know, Mike jokes, like we'll go out to some fast food restaurant that I've ate at a million times. And I'll still sit there for 20 minutes looking at the menu, (laughs) (laughs) but I got to pick the right thing to eat and I can't make the wrong decision, you know? And so yeah, decision paralysis is totally real. If you're wired as more of a perfectionist type person right. there's that fear right. of what other people might think um yeah. even just that yeah. own, i mean gosh sometimes we are our own worst enemy with right um overthinking or worrying about things so what are what are some of the roadblocks that you've come up against that um sometimes can make it difficult to be a get it done person well i think sometimes you know um obviously i think Critics, people, opinions, you know, all those type of things. I think different voices, I think, can sometimes be um, kind of a stumbling block sometimes and, and, and a speed bump, if you will, to getting things done. Um, resources, you know, mm-hmm. lack thereof. Sometimes maybe it's even too many resources because mm-hmm. um, you have too many options at your disposal, so you still don't get anything mm-hmm. done, you know what I mean? And so, um, so I think 
voices and, and resources. Um, it could be um, kind of looking at yourself and abilities and kind of saying, well, I don't, I don't feel like I have what it takes to, to be able to do this or whatever the case may be. Um, it could be time, you know, um, like, okay, I want to do this, but I don't really have the time to do it, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And so I think the list can, is, is, is varied and it just can go on and on and on. Yeah. I think there, can, there will always be something that will potentially hinder you from doing what God has called mm -hmm. you to do and the mm -hmm. things that, you know, you feel him needing you to do. There will always be something of some sort um, yeah. that you have to kind of press through, trust mm -hmm. God, get over to an extent and, and, and move through. So. So you talked about um, just, you know, people, other people's opinions, the critics worrying about what people will think. And that's, gosh, that's human nature. You know, I mean, yeah. I don't care how you're wired on some level, that concern is always there. But on the flips, you know, so there's the not worrying about what people will think. But then on the flip side of that, there's, you know, also as leaders having voices of wisdom speaking into our lives. And I know you, I know that you're a growth oriented person. I know that you're all about mentors and, and following after other people and having people speak into your life and so what does it look like for you what's the the wisdom or discernment that you use to figure out which voices are going to speak into your life which voices right. are going to get access that you will listen to and, and take seriously yeah. because you know that that's part of you know the voice of God ultimately speaking into your life how do you kind of disseminate between you know what these are the voices that I don't need to concern myself with. And these are the voices that are actually going to speak into my life because they have really critical things to say that will actually right. push me further into what God has called me to. What does that process look like for you? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think for me, it begins with me always asking the question of, do I feel and get the sense that this person cares more about who I am than what I do? Mm -hmm. And so, I think when that becomes somewhat clear and it may kind of be difficult to understand, I think, you know, especially if you're, you know, connecting with somebody for the first time, you know, you're reaching out to somebody trying to get some advice, some wisdom, some expertise, if you will, um, that can kind of be sometimes hard to discern, you know, immediately or upfront. Yeah. But I think the more and more you kind of begin to interact um, and have conversations with those type of pe those people, um, you kind of begin to get a sense of, like, man, they really care about me for like who I am. So like, mm -hmm. it, it's not just about like what I'm doing. They're asking me questions like, man, how are you doing? How's your health? You know, how's your family? Um, man, how's your kids? Like, oh yeah, so you da, 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 da. And you know, it's like just really them taking, taking to heart um, who you are and just who you are as a believer, who you are as a Christian, who you are as a man, as a woman. Um, and, and, and realizing that, it is who you are that drives what you do. Mm -hmm. So what I found is that the greatest, the people who have had the greatest impact on my life were not the people that necessarily always helped me with um, what I did, but they helped me to grow into who I am. Yeah. So like they poured into me, they invested in me uh, on multiple levels, whatever the case may be. Those are the people that I, I like, they got access to my life um, mm -hmm. because I don't have to wonder if like you're for me, um, that's kind of, that box is already checked. And once that box is already checked, then it's like, now I, I can unveil everything because now I trust you. And so anything that you do share with me, whether it's a word of encouragement 
whether it's, you know, like some correction, some wisdom, whatever the case may be, I don't have to filter this through the lens of, or ask the question like, man, I don't really know if they really care about me a whole mm-hmm. lot. Like I already know that. And so when it comes to them saying that it may not, you know, some things may feel good. Some things may not feel good, but because I know who's saying it, I'm able to receive it mm-hmm. the way God wants me to and get better as a result of it. Does that kind of make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, That's so, good. so yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And those voices are so, so critical to have too. the ones where, you know, that they're invested in, in you and your growth. That's right. huge. Right. Um, so then what about, let's talk about that decision paralysis a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was it, was it Colin Powell who talked about the 80% thing uh, about making critical strategic decisions? I think, I think it's Colin Powell. Now I might be completely quoting that wrong, but somebody really smart and really famous <laughs> One time talk, and I'm pretty sure it's Colin Powell, but he talked about 80%, making a decision with 80% of the information that you don't wait mm-hmm. until you have 100% of the information, 100% yeah. of the details, right. strategy, that you move on 80%. And for somebody that's wired like us, that can be really, really difficult to do. Absolutely. But we have to learn to grow in that because obviously we're never going to have 100%. And, you no. know, I think about regardless of where people are leading, um, because, you know, you we do have a lot of listeners who are in uh, the organization of the church and ministry, but we've got a lot of parachurch leaders. We've got military, we've got business leaders, CEOs. So no matter where you're leading, there's lots of big decisions that have to be made. And of course, when you're the leader, the stress of all of that, I mean, you really do wear the full weight of these decisions, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't fall back on the organization. It doesn't fall back on the team. It it falls back on you as the leader. And so, What are some of the ways that you have intentionally kind of pushed past that and grown? What are some of the things that you do or the habits you have or the things that you tell yourself when it's time to make a decision? You can't have 100% of the information. Is it going to work? Is it going to not? I don't know, but we're doing it anyways. What does that process look like? How have you grown into being able to make good decisions and make wise decisions and, uh, and be okay with the results? Yeah, you know, I think that's been a journey for me, um, yeah. especially I think over the past five years since we've kind of played the church. Sure. I think that that um, I guess, if you will, uh, skill and ability has been something I think that's constantly been refined. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife is the complete opposite as me, so that helps. It, it helps tremendously because she's very like like direct and like. Boom, 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 boom. I'm kind of more like the 30,000 foot view. Like, okay, we got this, we got that. Da, 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 da. And like, we need to do this, we need to do that. And so she's like, all right, but we need to like break this down and just to go for this, to go for that. But, you know what I mean? So very kind of matter of fact. So it's very helpful. So I think one, uh, marry somebody who is like, <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but, but so I think for me personally, She's helped me out tremendously with that because mm-hmm. that very much a strong suit of hers, as well as pastoring and obviously planning the church, like because there is certain decisions that obviously have to be made uh, for ministry to go forth in order for us to continue to transform lives and things like that. Like, like there can't be a whole lot of, you know, back and forth or, or, or a whole lot of lag um, when it comes to certain things like. So you have to, I think, almost get to the point where you are comfortable being uncomfortable, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. Like being, so really kind of what you said, being comfortable, not being sure of everything. Yeah. Like, I think that's, 
that's the biggest thing. Um, and so literally like we, we were kind of in the process of talking, planning out like our new year's Eve experience. We've never done it before. And I wrestled with that for a minute. Cause I was like, okay, I got this big picture idea of what it could be. Da, 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 da. But I don't know if we could do this. I don't know if it's enough time for us to do this. Da, 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 da. And, and then I just kind of came to a point where it was like, okay, just because I have this oak tree vision does not necessarily mean we have to see the oak tree happen the way I see it now. Right. So right. like, what are the things that we can do now? What are the acorns? What are the seeds now? What, what necessary things can we do now with what we have, with where we are in yeah. order to be able to do something at a high capacity while yeah. still building over time to what I see it being. Yes. And so I think for me, like my journey has been, I, I've realized oftentimes how God usually kind of reveals things to me, which is he'll give me this big picture. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm not careful, I'll sometimes think like, oh, that big picture, that's for now. It's like, no, 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 no. It's not mm-hmm. for now. Mm-hmm. That big picture is meant to not impose what you do now, but to inform what you do now. That's good. And so now that I have this big picture, okay, what does it look like for us to, like, what do we need to do now to work mm-hmm. towards that later? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's being able to get to that place and living in that tension. Yeah. Um and being comfortable with that tension, like it's not going to be perfect right now. Um, mm-hmm. But once again, like if you got clarity, like, man, this is what we're supposed to do. Let's just get it done. And, yeah. you know, what do we have at our disposal? What can we use with what's in our hands right now? With what's mm-hmm. at our disposal to make the best of it that we can yeah. right now? Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that's so critical for our listeners to hear, because, you know, when we're talking about leadership, most of us, we are visionary, you know, that's part of a huge part of what leadership is, is we've got ideas and we've got goals and we've got dreams and we've got these visions, but it is oftentimes, like you said, the oak tree version of it and, and what we actually start with. And, and that's the thing too. And I love that that's the, um, the illustration that you use because it's organic. It can yeah. only be grown. Right. There are no right. shortcuts. You cannot no just go purchase, you know, this full grown oak, oak tree. Like <laughs> right. it, or if you did, somebody else did the work of growing exactly. it. And so it, it has to be grown. It has to be developed. You know, it's just like raising little humans. I and mean, then you become Absolutely. a parent, you've got these ideas and dreams for your kids, but right. it starts with, you know what, you got to wipe their butt and you got to get right. them sleeping through the night. And Absolutely. so I think that illustration and what you said there is so huge, but it doesn't negate the fact that we start that we start now and start now I know a lot of times and just speaking for myself I get really stuck not just in decision paralysis but I get stuck starting because I'm trying to figure out well how is it going to look like that and the truth is it's not it's not going to look like that I'm going to start right here and oftentimes that having that oak tree vision is great but the step that we forget about is the strategy, right. walking the backwards. Strategy. Okay, so yeah. before it's an oak tree, it's going right. to look like this, and then it's going to yeah. look like this, and then it's going to be this, and it's going to require planting and pruning and yeah. tending and nurturing. That's so it. I think right. that's huge, you know, what you said yeah. is remembering that we, we start now with what we have and that eventually it does yep. become the thing. Yep, yep. But to not yeah. hesitate to start. That's good. Absolutely. When I was, uh, I went to school for, uh, I did my undergrad, undergraduate studies at ODU and um, did that in electrical engineering. And one of the things that my professor, he's my favorite professor, he was the dean of our, of our, of our, um, of our college. One of the things that he said was some problems you will have to 
solve by doing reverse engineering. Hmm. So like you're going to have to start with the answer or start with the end and work your way backwards. Yeah. And so that's always stuck with me. So like, so many of much of how I even approach ministry is oftentimes from an engineering perspective, like very analytical, you know, very, you know, pinpointing things, just, just thinking through things sometimes to a fault because you overthink things and you don't get anything done. Decision paralysis again, you know what I mean? And so, um, so oftentimes that's helped me a lot where it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, I see this. So let's, let's now work backwards um, mm-hmm. and kind of figure out, all right, God, what are you calling us to now? Like we see where you're taking us and, and I see what you want me to do later, but what do I need to be doing now that will yeah. contribute to that? And so right. I think that's oftentimes the biggest tension that we wrestle with because we'll get this big idea. Oh, I see myself doing this and I see myself doing that. Da, 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 da. I see myself having washboard abs and, and uh, and <laughs> the rock shots and body, right? That's your picture. Awesome. Uh-huh. What do you need to do now? That's mm-hmm. going to contribute to that. So that means you need to change up, change up your diet. That means you're yep. probably going to have to wake up and you may have to do some two a days. That means you you got to be ready to throw up sometimes. You got to yeah. be ready to endure the soreness. And so there's so many different things that go into what mm-hmm. you see. I think a lot of times as leaders, because, you know, I leadership is not one particular type of person. And I think oftentimes we can get stuck thinking that, oh, leaders have to be apostolic and they're b- these big right. visionaries. And and I mean, we are, but on the other side of that coin, you know, a lot of times leaders are slow, steady and strategic. And it's yeah. the marriage of those two that is yeah. so critical. You know, I had yeah. the honor of, of being raised up in leadership under Freddie, who you know, Freddie Villarreal, who yeah. was not only yeah. an incredible visionary, but also um, uh, just a genius in organizational leadership. And so he yeah. had this combination of vision and strategy. And I tend to be more of a strategy person, not a visionary person. But I think what you talked about with Ariel is so critical. And you may not marry into that, but to right. have that on the team. And I think identifying about ourselves, right. am I more uh, naturally, because we can always grow, but am I wired naturally as more of a visionary apostolic leader or yep. a strategy leader, a strategy right. expert. And if I'm right. on the strategy side, then I know that I need to balance that out, whether it's on right. my board or on my yep. team or yep. even just the group of people that I hang out with Absolutely. that feeds into me, visionary people and vice versa. If I'm the visionary side of things, man, how do I balance out the strategy? Because for the some strategy. of us, yep. it's so easy to see the strategy, but we have no idea what is the big picture vision that we're working towards. Right. But on the other right. side, I'm a big picture vision person. I see the oak tree, but I have no idea where to get the acorn. <laughs> so, so yeah, I love what you said about that yeah. though, is the marriage of those two and, and yeah. how do you get somebody yeah. that complements your leadership right. gifting so yeah. that together Absolutely. you can, and that may be multiple people. It may not be just multiple. one. It may be multiple, but, but yeah. I think yeah, that's yeah. a really huge factor. I think that's so good. Um, because I think being able to understand some, understand what your bent is mm-hmm. will then allow you to, kind of surround yourself or be intentional with surrounding yourself with people who will complement that. Um, Mm -hmm. Or even just on a fundamental level, just you personally, like realizing like, okay, this kind of is the thing that I normally lean to, but I also need to kind of be thinking about this, that, and the third. So for me, I'm very big picture. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's been plenty of times where through the years, um, not even just like with church, but 
Um, I remember when we first got married, you know, I would always kind of be coming up with these different ideas and stuff like that. And, and I had this big idea for this, like, man, we should do da 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 we should go here, blah, blah, blah. Like, we should go to Disney World. That would be so awesome if you do da 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 And then Ariel would come back and be like, so how are we going to get there? Where are we going to stay? <laughs> um, how long are we going to stay? Are we going to drive? Are we going to fly? And I'd be like, you're killing my vision. When yeah. it, then I really kind of realized all the time, like, no, she wasn't killing the vision. Like, she actually is down with the vision. But mm-hmm. what she's talking about is strategy. Yep. Like, she's going to make it happen. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so realizing that is is so helpful no matter what it is now. Um, so like even as, as it relates to church and, and everything like that. So big picture vision. And so my job is now to kind of communicate that to our people, but then to have strategic people around around me yeah. who can say like, okay, I see that. So this is how I think we get there um, mm-hmm. and being able to kind of work through that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's good. And I think too, that dispels the myth that as leaders, we have to be able to do it all. We have to have it all together. Like, oh, I've got this vision and I need to have the strategy and then I can gather people around me for that. And it's like, no, just because you're gifted as the leader or you've got the vision or whatever else doesn't mean that you have to be able to do it all and have it all figured out. Like, I I can't do anything without the team around me. That was one of the first things that I told God when he started talking about the table to me, you know, when I started feeling like, you know what, I think. I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to start offering online courses and I'm not going to actually make this a thing. The very first thing I said was there has to be a team. I cannot and I will not do it by myself. And so if that team doesn't come, if that doesn't get developed, like that is my number one step is saying who are those people and making sure that they are gifted in ways that I am not like, I want the full Myers Briggs spectrum on my team. I want every single Enneagram number on my team. I want all of the fivefold represented on my team because we're just, we're better that way because we're made to exist in community and we're made to lead in community too. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. 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 And I think that's always the, in every season, I think that's the thing that we have to constantly be leaning into just because seasons shift and they change and and kind of what we may be doing in one season may kind of change in the next. And so being able to still be conscious of like, I need to have people around me that will help to advance things. I mean, Mm -hmm. Jesus had it, you know, he had 12 Mm -hmm. um, and even said, I think in John 14, John 13, like greater works will you do. (laughs) Like that's crazy to say, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But that was going to happen through the team. And here we go 2,000 years later because of that. Yep, totally. So one of the other things that you mentioned, um, you know, you talked about the voices of other people, um, Mm -hmm. but you also, you talked about um, the resourcing, like the time, like, oh, I don't have enough time. And I think that, you know, that's the thing, my gosh, being a a leader, we've got dreams, we've got all these visions, we've got these plans, but the, oftentimes it comes down to, well, shoot, that means I'm going to have to change some things, or I'm going to have to get some regular healthy rhythms in my life, or I'm going to have to sacrifice a little bit. Um, So for you as a leader, what are some of the rhythms and habits and practices that you have had to establish to make sure that your life is set up in a way that actually enables you to follow after the things that God has called you to? Right. Yeah. So I think a lot of it has to be is directly connected to you being clear on who you are called to be um, Mm -hmm. and being clear on who you are what God has called you to do. I think I have said no more this year to things 
than I've probably said ever in the, I've been doing ministry since college. So at least about 15 years and 15 years of doing ministry. I'm 34. This year has probably been the year I've said no to more than I've ever said to before. And the opportunities were really cool. Um, And whatever it was, I mean, just different things. I mean, awesome things to do, but just kind of was like, nah, this isn't for me right now. And so Mm -hmm. uh, it kind of sucks because, you know, you want to say yes to this, you want to say yes to that. You don't want to let people down. So you Mm -hmm. kind of deal with that. I think sometimes we'll say yes to things, um, not because of necessarily just how it would benefit us, but sometimes we'll say yes to things because of what we think others will think of us. Mm-hmm. And so I think being able to have clarity and confidence in who you are called to be as a leader, um, uh, it's not just what you say yes to, but it's also what you say no to. And I've realized that saying no to things that I'm supposed to say no to allows me to be able to say yes to the right things that God yeah. wants me to say yes to. Um, and so like there are certain things that I've said no to that I know from a time perspective, I would not be able to be present with my family as much, or I would not be able to have the the capacity to be able to pastor at the level that I'm pastoring at, you know? And so all those type of things, um, I think it, it has a lot to do with being clear on who you are mm-hmm. and on what you're supposed to do. Um, I, I look at even Jesus's ministry, like there were some things that Jesus did not engage in. Um, and there were also certain things that Jesus engaged with at a certain time. So yeah. You know, uh, I think about Lazarus and, and as he was sick and pretty much on his deathbed and, and word gets to Jesus that Lazarus, the one you love, is sick. Jesus stays where he is for another few days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, all right, cool. Thank you for telling me. Everybody's mm-hmm. like, what? What do you What do you mean? Um, and so, but him saying no in that moment, that was actually a pathway to him being able to reveal himself to them in a way that they would have never seen him in before. Yeah. So being able to kind of, I think those are the type of rhythms that as we're able to implement and establish in our lives, they allow us to be able to flourish at the level that God wants us to flourish in. Um, uh, Daily routines, whether it's, you know, um, how I start my day, how how I end my day, um, taking care of myself physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all those type of things. I think all that has a lot to do with being clear on what you're supposed to be doing. Um, mm-hmm. and what you're not supposed to be doing. So I don't know if that kind of answers your question or not. Um, no, it does. But, it's yeah. perfect. And I think you hit on something so critical and you hit on this too, when you were talking about the the voices of other people and, you know, which voices do we listen to and which ones do we not worry about is our identity is knowing right. solidly who we are. And I think so oftentimes um, as leaders, you know, the, the vision is exciting, the dream, right. the idea, whatever is exciting, but the real first step is that internal work because everything we yeah. do is overflow from the inside out. And so if yeah. we're not starting with that internal work of really solidifying our identity and knowing right. whose we are, then our worth yeah. and our value gets Absolutely. from what we do. Cause you talked about Absolutely. that. You said that the, the yeah. voices that get to speak into your life are the ones that value you for who you are, not what you do. And those two things are separate. And as leaders, I think sometimes it's so hard for those to get intertwined because the things that we're doing, they are important and we are passionate about them. However, you know, our, our identity has to come from knowing whose we are and who we are. And I think that is that 
you know, you've mentioned it a couple times, the identity piece, right. and it's just the core foundation of, you know, not letting the other voices affect us, being right. okay with something changing or with failing, yeah. you know, that decision yeah. paralysis, that personality yeah. that we have right. that says like, yeah. oh my gosh, it's got to be right. It's got to be perfect. Yeah. Well, why? Because I'm afraid of failing. Because if I right. fail, then that means I'm a failure. Yeah. The reality is, no, we tried something. It didn't work. The didn't season work. wasn't right. Whatever, that's okay. Well, you know, well, we're going to keep rolling. We're going to learn from it. And when my identity isn't attached to what I do, what I do. it frees me up to have healthy Absolutely. rhythms in my life, yeah. to take care yeah. of myself, to be able to say no to things because I don't have to please you. I don't have to say yes right. to prove my capacity or to prove my worth to you. And so yeah. I think no matter what we're talking about in leadership, at its core, at the foundation, everything can come back down to our identity, knowing who we are and who we are. And and until that's the starting point, it's like nothing else can fall into place. Not one bit, not one bit. And I think that was something that Jesus was really helping us understand when Mary and Martha um, were at the house and Jesus stops by and Martha Mm -hmm. immediately goes to work, doing a great thing for Jesus. And Mary on the on the flip side is just, you know, sitting, listening to everything that Jesus is saying. And Martha's frustrated. Mm-hmm. She's upset with Jesus to the point where she's like, don't you see I'm doing all this work and tell my mm-hmm. sister. Like, I always think that's crazy. Like you're telling Jesus to tell your sister, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, tell my sister to, to help me. Very passive aggressive in many ways. Um, and but in that moment, Jesus was affirming Mary, like what yeah. Mary has chosen is much better. And what he was really helping us to understand is like what you do is important, but who you are becoming is much more important. Yeah. And so who, who I am in Christ is not based upon like what I do. It's not based upon my performance. Right. It's not based upon if I cross every T and die every I, like who I am in Christ. Like I am the righteousness, righteousness of God in Jesus. Mm-hmm. My life is hidden with Christ and God. And so like my identity flows from that truth and from that place. Now it informs everything else that I do. From yeah. being a husband to being a parent to being a father to being a pastor to being a son to being a leader to being this person in the community, whatever the case may be, my identity is not attached to those things because if those things dictate my identity, the minute those things are taken away, I have identity crisis. Yeah, and that's never what God intended. And so, right. Um, so yeah, you hit the nail on it. Yeah. No, that's good. And I think too that really so two things that you kind of hit on that I want to come back to. Um, so the identity piece is a huge part of it, right? And knowing that that's enough, that who I am and whose I am, that's enough. That God has you know equipped me for whatever it is that He has called me to for this vision that He's given me. What stood out to me was so interesting, and I don't think I knew this. You went to college. Your undergrad was electrical engineering. Right. Yeah. Okay. And now you're planting churches, right? Right. So I'm, I'm always looking, every conversation that I have with somebody at the table, I'm always looking for, man, what's the prophetic piece? What's the prophetic word in what they have to say that's really mm. going to be the thing that hits somebody's heart? And as you were yeah. talking, I feel like that's what got highlighted to me um, because mm. I think it's really easy for us to feel unqualified for the things yeah. that God has called us to, or right. maybe the point in life where he calls it to, you know, I'm in my mid thirties and I'm starting yeah. something brand new and it's, yeah. you know, it seems completely unrelated to what I went to college for or right. to the career that I've had prior to this. And yet right. this is what yeah. God is doing. And so That's what it. choice do we have but to say yes? And so can you 
Um, yeah. you know, a little bit from your own story, obviously, but also yeah. maybe just a little bit prophetically to the person listening that is like, okay, the thing that I'm feeling God is calling me to the thing that I'm feeling passionate about and drawn to the vision that right. I have. I'm not sure if I'm good enough. I don't know right. if I'm qualified yeah. and I'm, I'm not equipped for this. This isn't what I went to college for. This is right. not the job that I've had for the past 10 years. And yet right. here yeah. it is, and that can seem so daunting and overwhelming. Right. I, I love that you shared. Yeah. I went to my undergrads, electrical engineering. Now I'm planning right. a church. And look at how God has used that, you know, even yeah. how he uses that to inform what you're doing now. So can you just kind of, you know, yeah. whatever wisdom and encouragement you have, maybe just speak a little bit prophetically to the person listening who is like, wow, that's cool. That guy planted a church and went to school for electrical engineering. Okay. Right. Maybe that helps me a little bit. Just speak to, speak yeah. to that. I know that's a big broad brushstroke, but yeah, yeah, yeah. speak to that no, a little no, bit. Absolutely. I, I think probably sharing a little bit of kind of even that journey a little bit probably will help give some some context and some principle. Um, so I think for me, uh, it started many ways when I was at ODU. I was a sophomore um, going into my junior year. And um, and I kind of know, like, I kind of noticed that I wanted to see ministry happen on campus in a greater way. There wasn't a whole lot of campus ministries that were um, like just reaching students. And so everybody was at the web jams, everybody was at the parties, you know what I mean? Just doing all types of stuff. And I kind of just started feeling like, man, I want to start like a Bible study here on campus and, and like just um, have a ministry here on campus where we're doing big concerts. We're having, you know, big Christian artists come through and minister here on the college campus, just really point people to Jesus on campus. And so, um, so around 2005, I kind of, I remember getting a journal and just writing all this stuff down, like just literally wrote down concerts, Bible studies, outreach events on campus, um, paying for people's meals, just all those type of things, weird stuff. And and so it all started, all of that started with a a radio show, very similar to what you're doing. Um, and so our campus had like what they call WOD radio. And so um, I just started like having like a little bit of a 30 minute, almost like a devotional segment on the radio show. Um, and I called it Focus. And that then led to us creating an organization on campus, which led to us having a Bible study every Tuesday. So we had students come in there, started off with like 15, 20. Um, the next year we had like 30, 40 over the next semester. And then it just kind of started ballooning. And um, then we started having these ideas to want to do these um, worship experiences on campus. We called them Saturday Night Live. We called it SNL. And so we're doing these big events. And then we kind of, you know, went even bigger. And we're like, yo, let's bring the truth here. You know, back then, 2006, 2007, the truth, hip-hop artists, uh, very well-known, kind of an OG in the Christian hip-hop world. We are like, man, we got to bring them. And uh, I remember, man, we were selling donuts and scrapping for money we we got money from the university and we brought truth to the campus not once but we brought them twice one one semester another the second semester um and at the same time we're doing these tuesday night bible studies and it's gone from like 15 people to like over a hundred people and so like we're having to like reserve all these different rooms because we just got massive amounts of people coming and that all happened within like time span of like a year and a half so wow. we're in like now 2007 and and uh at that time of 2007 i didn't have a job and so my mom was like yo dude you gotta get a job like 
you know, single parent and all that good stuff. Um, you got to pay for some stuff. You got to pay for some books on campus. And so I got a job working in the equipment room of the athletic facility. And that's very fancy for saying I was literally washing the undergarments of all the sports teams. Wow. <laughs> at ODU. And it was literally the most humbling job that I've ever had in my life. Cause I was like, man, I'm in here washing all types of stuff here. Yeah. All types of stuff. And I literally like every day basketball players are coming, right? That, that This was right on the cuff of us starting the football team at ODU right around uh-huh. 07. So football players were coming and they were like just dropping stuff off. And I remember feeling like, man, people coming over here, dropping off their laundry to me, man. I'm like, I got to wash clothes. Duh, 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 duh. And in the meantime, man, we got this big Bible study popping off. And we got truth coming, this, that, and the third. And I remember in that moment, God was kind of just speaking to me. It was like, hey, be faithful mm. in this now because this is going to prepare you for where I'm taking you to next. So that was around the early part of 2007. By the end of that semester of spring 2007, that was my junior year. Um, I remember as the semester was ending, I was going to my job for the last day. And it was almost like I just heard God speak clearly and him saying like, hey, this is going to be the last job that you have. Like I'm getting ready to take you into full-time ministry. Hmm. And I was like, man, and, and at the same time, like as we were, and this was kind of coming off of a big event that we had on campus. I was like, man, this is, I really want to do this the rest of my life. Like I'm going to pastor people. I'm going to shepherd people. I don't know what it looks like. I want to teach people the Bible. I have no idea what it looks like. And later on that summer, around 2007, I didn't have a job at all. I kind of shared that with my mom to this day. We always laugh and joke about it. I was like, hey, mom, I feel like God's calling me to, to ministry. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what I'm going to be doing, but, but, I, but I just feel like this is what God's calling me to. And so she was like, well, how's this going to work? You know, you're a junior in college. You, you've been studying engineering. You switched your majors and da 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 I was like, I have no idea. It was to the point where we kind of got an argument about it at mm-hmm. one point. And I was like, I have no idea. And I remember one moment, I was like, God, all right, you got to convince my mom of this because I'm convinced, but she not convinced at all. Literally that summer around July of 07, me and Ariel, my wife now, we were dating back then. We went to a mentor of mine. Uh, he was preaching. He was preaching at a church, a youth event, and after the event was over, we were waiting for him um, to kind of talk to him and everything like that. And then there was another pastor who I happened to know through him. He came up to me. He was like, "Hey, man, um, I'm looking for a youth pastor full time to hire up to my church. I want to know if you know anybody who may be interested." And I was like, uh, "Okay, <laughs> I'll get back with you on that one." And um, and so we, we, he and I connected, and um, and I became youth pastor at Abyssinia Baptist Church in Norfolk, um, kind of at the tail end of my time at ODU, my senior year. Came on board full-time and was there for six years, um, which then led to God stirring our heart to come back to Hampton and to plant a church, and here we are. And so I say all that to say, um, as you become, I think, becoming clear on what God is calling you to. And it may be countercultural. Uh, it may not make sense to a whole lot of people. So it, people are always asking, so what are you going to do about engineering? Like you're junior now and you're kind of saying God's calling you to the ministry. Like, like, I mean, what, what are you going to do now? Like, well, I'm just going to finish out and finish up and just going to go from here. And, um, and that's what God has done, you know, since 2007. So now 12 years later, 2019. Yeah. And so it just really kind of I think started with a, a sense of clarity of calling and realizing mm-hmm. like this is who God has called me to be. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it may not make sense on paper. It may not make sense to many people. I think it made sense to nobody except for maybe two or three people. Um, but the more obedience was flowing and the more God was opening up doors, the more people started to see like, oh, yeah. you weren't so crazy. Like you, you actually, <laughs> you actually knew what you were talking about. And so um, here we are. Wow. I never knew that story about that yeah. job that you had in college. I never yeah. knew that that's what you were doing. While at the same time, you know, you're building this ministry and seeing that pop off and you've got a hundred people coming and, yeah. you know, all of this stuff. And yeah. that, that was the work that you were doing. I, I did not know that part of your story. And I think that's, yeah. that's huge. That is yeah. so yeah. hugely relevant. Many people don't know. I, I remember sharing that. And I think one of our sermons, um, one of the sermons I preached earlier this year, I was talking about purpose and discovering your purpose and talking about how, um, like sometimes God will anoint you for something that he won't really fully bring to pass until later on. Mm-hmm. So I literally felt like David, because it was like, man, just had this massive slaying moment, killed the giant. Yeah. Man, we just saw 30 people, 30 college students give their lives to Jesus the night before. And then the next day I'm going to the equipment room to wash mm-hmm. underwear. So yeah. Man, but just looking at the the humility that that brings and even just the understanding of like, you know what, it's it's not all glamorous. And a lot of times, uh, you know, I think we have this idea of leadership and man, God's given me this calling and this vision and all of that. So that's going to be the thing. And that's going to be, you know, immediately successful. Again, going back to the oak tree thing. And I just I love I love that Paul was a tent maker. You know, I love that he was bivocational. I love that there was a little bit of hustle in in his life alongside the obedience piece. And I think sometimes, you know, yeah, God, God provides and God just miraculous things with resourcing. But a lot of times, too, I think at the same time, there are practical gifts that we've been given that feel really disconnected with the the vision or the, the mission that we think that we've been called to. And so we neglect certain gifts that we have without realizing, no, that is actually the gift that you've been given, that God has given you to resource your life while you're building out on the other side over here, this vision and this dream. I'll I'll never forget one time I was in a a coaching session with um, Joe Saxton, who's one of my mentors, and there was a whole group of us and we were talking through some financial stuff. And I remember her telling one of the other people on the call, you know, you, you might just need to go get a job for a little bit. You might need to end up making some coffee at Starbucks while you're getting this thing, you know, going. And I just remember thinking, dang, has that even crossed my mind? Am I so convinced that I'm just going to put everything into this vision that God has given me and I'm just going to see it immediately like pop off and be successful that I'm not willing to use my other gifts and put in the time and the work that's possibly really necessary in this season. And I'm going to learn from that too. So I think that it's so, so good. Yeah, so good what you share. I love that part of your story too, man. I love, yeah. I didn't know that. And yeah. that's, that's, yeah. that's really cool. And I yeah. love too, what you did with where you were. Jill Briscoe talks about how your, your mission field is between your own two feet. And I love that that's where you started, you know, like right yeah. there on your college campus with yeah. the burden that you had been given for the students yeah. around you. And all of a sudden to see what God did with that, like obedience right. to where our feet are currently planted. Even Absolutely. if the the big Oak tree, 
vision is for something else somewhere else. Ultimately, it starts with where are my feet planted right now? Because that's my mission field. And can I be obedient and faithful with this right here? Because that's that sometimes, you know, I really honestly believe that our our current faithfulness and obedience is what God looks at to decide, hey, are you ready for me to take that acorn and get it sprouting? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I had a mentor one time tell me to always grow where you're planted. Yep. So wherever God has planted you, whatever season he's planted you in, whatever job that he's planted you in, be faithful with that. Yes. Um, I had another mentor tell me that that the things that God blesses is when we are fat. And it was an acronym. He said, faithful, available, teachable. Can mm. you be faithful where you are? Can you continue to make yourself available to what God will want you to do? And can you maintain a teachable spirit and a humble spirit mm-hmm. and a humble posture um, and a teachable posture where you are? Because okay. those, that is the pathway to promotion. So David went and he was anointed king in 1 Samuel 16. Not too long after that, he goes, defeats Goliath, cuts off his head. Mm-hmm. He's right back at the pasture. Yeah. Not in the yep. king. Yep. Not king. So he was anointed king, but he doesn't become king until later on in Second Samuel. You know, mm-hmm. and so like there is that there is this this journey, I think, that God takes us on, um, where even though he's maybe revealed the promise, like the yeah. the distance between the promise and the fulfillment of that thing is that preparation. Mm-hmm. And and that's often the times that that's that's the stuff we don't like to kind of go through. So for me, yep. even in that season, it was the equipment room. So it's like, yeah, man, you're gonna preach and like 30 people getting saved. Hey, man, you guys got truth coming, man. That's awesome. Like, hey, go wash his underwear right quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like, man. Yes. What? And so even now, and so it looks different in this season, but it's the same principle. So it's like, yo, like, man, you guys just did at the movie series where like numerous people gave their lives to Christ and numerous people were reconnecting with the Lord. But you still got to go home and chase this little demon child. I mean, blessing called Joshua around the house. <laughs> There, there is nothing that will keep us as humble as parenting. Right. Oh you know my I mean? goodness. And so like yeah. faithful, available, teachable. And so even though the seasons may shift and, and, and it may look different in one season, that principle, it stays the same. It stays yeah. the same. And I think that in many ways it keeps us humble. So that way, when you have these massive Goliath mountaintop moments, if God does not take you through that refining process you'll just mm-hmm. think that that's all there is yeah and that's what leads to pride that's what leads to the arrogance um and then when that happens now god's like all right now i gotta bring you back down and it's gonna hurt mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um and so so i just try to stay as low to the ground as possible um as difficult as it is at times you know as frustrating frustrating as it is at times like yeah just being faithful yeah that's it. Yeah. Man, that's really good. So much wisdom that you shared today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, everyone. I know absolutely. that our listeners do too. Thanks for leaning into a little, you know, prophetic. Let's see what God's saying right now. That's good. Yeah. So the last yeah. thing that I'll ask you, and then I'll let you go, because I know you got church to lead and family and all that good stuff. Um, what are you reading right now? I um, am reading a new book um, by a guy named Glenn Packiam. He wrote this book called Blessed broken and given. Um, and it's a book where he's looking at, um, he's looking at the, the communion elements and the bread yes. and the wine and talking about how um, oftentimes the thing that Jesus has in his hands, like the process that he takes that through. So there's a blessing process. There's a, 
there's a breaking process, kind of very similar to when Jesus fit the 5,000, but then there's also the giving process. And so like, we like to go from blessed to given, mm-hmm. but in that middle is the broken. Mm-hmm. So like, there are some things that God has to break in us before mm-hmm. he can actually use us. And so I'm reading that book right now. It's an incredible book. Um, there's another book I'm reading kind of more so on like organizational excellence, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Excellence Wins by Robert Schultz. Um, he is kind of, I think, the, not the founder of the Ritz-Carlton, but I think he's the CEO of Ritz-Carlton. And so um, that's been a very, very different type of read but a good read uh, because it just really talks about excellence and how um you know you can grow and thrive in yeah. excellence and and so i think even from a biblical perspective it's like man i want to want to be want to be better about that want to honor god with that and so those are the typical books that the two books that i'm really kind of diving into i just finished a book called simply christian by um by nt Wright. so it's kind of more on the theological side um and so i try to read a little bit of everything at the same time to kind of work yep. different muscles spiritually yep. so i'm reading organizational things, spiritual things, theological things, things that are very dense, um, cultural things. Another mm-hmm. book that I'm reading is Woke Church by oh. Eric Mason. Um, and so just try to get a, you know, good variety of things. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're going to include all those titles in the show notes. So if any of those yeah. stood out to any of our listeners, they can grab them and take a read. Um, but we just want to thank you so much for being here today, for giving Absolutely. your time and sharing your Honestly. story and your wisdom. Yeah. We uh, just pray, you know, blessings for you and the church and Ariel and your family and everything you've got going on. So thanks so much for taking the time, man. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Honored to be here. Can't wait till next time. I'm excited. This is going to be big. listening to the Table Leadership Podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the resources that were discussed at the table today and to connect with today's guest. Remember to subscribe to the Table Podcast and follow along on social media at the Table Leadership. Visit thetableleadership.com to learn more about current courses and coaching opportunities. And finally, you can connect with me, your host, at cionedgerton.com or on social media at cionedgerton. I look forward to the next time that you pull up a seat at the table.